chapter number one this morning. And uh, I've been going through, it's been a little bit of a detour, but I've been going through the book of Romans on Sunday nights. But uh, this is actually a chapter that I began in, uh, on Sunday nights. But this morning, the Lord led me to this passage, kind of unusual passage for Thanksgiving. And as uh, Brother Chris stood up here this morning and said what he said, I, I certainly, along with my family, I'm certainly thankful for uh, my church family. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for those that were here five years ago this Sunday whenever we came uh, from California. I'm thankful that you've stayed. You've been faithful. I'm thankful for your encouragement. And I'm thankful for so many new faces that God has brought here. What a wonderful, what a wonderful church, body of believers this is. And I, I, I look forward to coming to church, not because I get to preach. That's a blessing to me. Uh, honestly, I feel sorry for you that you have to listen to me, you know. But, but I'll tell you what, I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for the staff God's given to us. We've got a wonderful staff that works hard. They've got a, they've got a hard boss. They've got a guy that drives them day in and day out. And most of the time they do it with a good spirit. But uh, I, when, they, when they're not, it's probably because I'm pushing too hard. But there's a, there's a great work to be done. And uh, I hope that you, you, I know many of you do, pray for us. Keep praying that God would give us wisdom in the days ahead. I'm so excited about the new year. But I, I've got to close out this year. And so if you notice, our theme is off the wall. How many of you noticed? All right, some of you, some of you are getting observant, and uh, we've got I've, God gave me this coming year's theme in January. I've had it for a whole year, and I'm so excited going into our 70th year. And so this morning, if you're able to, let's stand in Romans chapter number one. I was just trying to talk as long as I could to try to confuse the lady that's translating in Spanish for our folks, and because none of that was in the notes, and so she's having to make that up. And so I, sometimes I wonder some of the things that she says, if it's really what I'm saying. But. <laughs> Romans chapter number one and verse number one, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This, what we call a book, the book of Romans, is really a letter. It's a letter that God gave to the Apostle Paul to, to write these words, God's words. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. What I just read to you would have been like if you and I, you remember those days we used to write letters? Some of you do. I'm dating myself. From time to time, I'll write postcards. Remember those things? Yeah. Some of you might have gotten one from me. 
But a lot of times we just put on there like, dear Bill. I, you really want to, unless I'm writing to Brother Honeycutt, I really want to avoid dear John. Those are not good letters. <clears throat> but what we just read would have been Paul's introduction to these believers, these saints, saved people in the book of Romans, this letter to them. And so I pray God uses it this morning to help us, as the title of the message, to have a thankful heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Bless our time together. Thank you again for not only a day, but a life that we can give you thanks because you are worthy of our thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. Sometimes I do, as I mentioned earlier, I find it kind of difficult sometimes <clears throat> and I've done this in the past, not a lot, but I've actually preached with an interpreter. A lot of times I call it an interrupter. Because when you preach with an interpreter, many times I will have to say a statement, maybe a sentence or part of a sentence, and then stop and let the person that's translating into another language, then say it in their language, and then they stop, and then I'll say something, and then they'll try, and it goes on and on. It becomes very confusing. And a lot of times when I translate, I hate the fact that, that oftentimes I can't communicate to everyone. There are people here this morning that, that can understand some English, but they prefer Spanish, and there are some people in here that can speak Creole and other languages, I wish I could communicate with everyone in every language. I really do. Uh, it, it bothers me sometimes not knowing whether or not what I am saying is actually being translated or communicated to those that are listening. Now, I fully trust, I'm saying this for this person's benefit, I fully trust the person that's translating this morning. If, if I didn't trust that person, they wouldn't be doing it. But the reason I say that is because as we look at the scriptures, it's not what I have to say, it's what thus saith the Lord. This needs to be God's message. Uh, this needs to be what God would have for us to hear. And it's impossible for us, you and I, to be on speaking terms with God if we have never learned a language that I would call the language of gratitude. It's a language that a lot of people don't know. Many people do not know how to be thankful. Uh, we looked at 10 men that had an awful disease known as leprosy this morning. And only one of them, one out of 10, 10% returned to give thanks to Jesus. Folks, when I think about it, we have a lot to be thankful for. And the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything, give thanks. Why? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I mean, it's easy. <clears throat> it's easy for us to develop the language of griping. And it's easy for us to gossip. And it's easy for us to grumble. But what are we doing with the language of gratitude? There are a few things that the Bible actually says, and, and we saw that in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. There are a few things that the Bible literally says, this is the will of God concerning you. But the Bible says God's will 
for us that in everything we would do what? Give thanks. And that is what we need to be doing, is every one of us need to be a thankful people. Uh, one of those things that is God's will is that we would be thankful. Psalm 100 verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So the Bible tells us that God has given us a heart, and as a Christian, as a believer, we, you and I, should have a thankful heart. Now, when you look at Romans chapter number one, and we will probably look at most of the chapter this morning, the, this passage actually contains a powerful warning. Now, this isn't Paul warning. Now, it's Paul recording that warning. The warning comes from God, this warning actually, as we look at it, we'll find five reminders this morning that you and I need to have a thankful heart. And it all begins with the priority of a thankful heart. Look at verse number eight, where we left off. What's the very first word in verse number eight? Yeah, first, now look at the next four words. I say it out loud, thank my God. And notice the priority that Paul has here. He makes it a priority to give God thanks. That's where he starts. Paul is not giving us a list here. He just says first. He doesn't give us what would be second, what would be third, what would be fourth. He just says, listen, this is the priority on my mind. This is the thing that's above everything else in my life is that I need to thank God for all that he has done. Later on, Paul is actually going to start preaching to us about what God had put on his heart and put on his mind about being thankful. But for right now, in Romans chapter number one, Paul's not preaching here. He's practicing being thankful. One of the things we'll do on Thursday, if you come, and I hope many of you can, make sure you sign up for it so we have enough uh, tables and everything set up and we just ask folks just bring a side dish and dessert and we'll have the meat here and, and we'll just enjoy a time of thanking God. Now certainly as, as, as Baptists we're good at thanking God for our food, right? Amen. By the way, I hope when you go out in public that you pray for your food. Even when you're in private. But And, and listen, don't pray for display. Oh, God, thank you for Chick-fil-A, you know? But when you pray, listen, there's nothing wrong with bowing your head. Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for the fellowship we're about to have, whatever it may be. A lot of times, a lot of times over the years, I've had people come up to me and say something like this. It's been a long time since I've seen somebody bow their head and pray before they eat. Isn't that sad? We ought to always thank God. Not, not just for the food. There's so much to be thankful for. And Paul says, look, above everything else, first, I want to thank my God. That was the priority in his life. And the question this morning is, do we practice thanks first? Sometimes even at Christian gatherings. It's always funny because people get their food and they get a whole mouthful of food and then I'll say, 
Is somebody going to pray? They were getting around some of those Baptists. I, 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 to be honest, I'm guilty too. Sometimes they'll bring the chips, and some Baptists will say, well, listen, we don't pray until, until the real meal comes. I'm like, what about those chips? You know? Well, chips and salsa, that's not a part of it, you know? But we ought to always thank God first. Sometimes in our lives, and even some of you, and I, I've been praying for you, Sometimes Christians, God's people, will go through a trial. Maybe there will be a difficulty that will come into our lives. Something that many times we don't understand. We, we might even have a question about it. We, look, sometimes from time to time, we don't mean to, but we, we might even gripe about something. We wonder, why is this happening in my life? And we might even uh, start to get bitter sometimes. But look, I have found in my life that everything that God brings into my life and everything God brings into your life what God's trying to do is to teach us some lessons. He's using those things in our lives. And it, listen, if we, if we come to the place in our life where we realize that he is our father and that he is trying to teach us something, he is doing what he's doing for our good and for his glory, we come to the place where eventually we'll thank God. Paul said, listen, I asked the Lord three times to remove this thorn. And then he says, I will therefore most gladly glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may work. He says, listen, I, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand why you won't take it. I just want to say this, God, I want to thank you for it. We don't understand sometimes. Do you, do you believe, and I hope you do, but do you believe that everything that happens in your life is a part of God's plan? Absolutely. And Paul said this, he said, first... I thank my God. When you think about Thanksgiving, that's what it is. Before anything, before anything, thank God. The Bible says we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. God is, He's got a plan for your life. There's a purpose that things happen in our lives. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. Sometimes in life, we get to the place where we, we must accept God's will for our lives, and we will never please the Lord until we get past that acceptance and we actually thank God for what he is doing in our lives. And in life, we have to come to the place sometimes where maybe some of you experience this, where we've lost our job, or maybe we've had a health challenge in our life, or maybe, maybe we're single and we don't understand why, why we're not married, we don't have a mate. Listen, we have to get past all of that to where we thank God first. And that's what Paul says. The priority of a thankful heart is we must thank God first. But notice as he goes beyond the priority of a thankful heart, he, he talks about the prayer of a thankful heart. Look at verse number 9, Romans 1. For God is my witness, <clears throat> whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always. Notice, without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. 
Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed, I wanted to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise, so that as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. So when you think about what he's talking about here, about, yes, giving God thanks first, but then he says, look, as I pray out of that thankful heart, what is Paul doing? He's expressing it in his prayer. A thankful heart prays. Well, what is Paul praying for here? Clearly, what I saw was Paul was praying for an opportunity to serve. He says in verse number 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve in my spirit. An unthankful heart, you know what it, it desires? That it would be served. See, that's why the apostles were many times. You know, that's the way the Pharisees were. They, they wanted somebody to wait on them hand and foot. But I love when you look at the example of the Lord Jesus, because he is our model for the Christian life. And if you study his prayers, and there are many of them in the Bible, what you find is that Jesus was thankful and it came out in his prayers. He always acknowledged his father. He was thankful for his father. Notice how he gives thanks to his father, Matthew eleven twenty five. 25, that at, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, has revealed them unto babes. Jesus was grateful and he was thankful for the opportunity to serve. Listen to what the Bible says in Mark 10. Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. How many of you know that he is worthy of our worship and that he is worthy of our service? But the Bible says he did not come to be waited on hand and foot. The Bible says he came to minister and to give his life. That's why it surprised his disciples when he pushed away from the table. And he took a towel, and he wrapped it around his waist, and he took a basin, a bowl of water, and he took off the sandals of those disciples and those stinky, dirty feet that they had, and he began to wash their feet. He was serving them. Great example of servant leadership. Romans 5, 3, even Christ pleased not himself. Not one thing that Jesus did while he was on this earth was for himself. Do you get that this morning? Everything Jesus did was an opportunity for him to serve. And a thankful heart is a heart that prays for an opportunity to serve. Sometimes people say, well, you know, pastor just hasn't asked me to do anything in the church. Hey, listen, there are people this morning that were standing at that front door that I have never asked them to stand at that door and pass out bulletins. They just said, hey, listen, people are coming in. Here's bulletins. I want to stand there with a smile on my face and just say, hey, glad to see you. Glad you came. Hand them a bulletin. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. There is plenty to do around here. You don't have to wait for the pastor to ask you to do something. Just find a door that you can hold and find a broom that you can sweep something up. Find a toilet that needs to be unstopped. Find a place to serve. Listen, all of that happens heart that is thankful. A thankful heart prays for an opportunity to serve. Jesus did. 
A thankful heart is grateful. Seize that opportunity. Look at what Jesus said in, in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Listen to what his mind was. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Do you get that this morning? That at Christmas time, we call it the incarnation. That God, in the form of his son Jesus, Jesus the Son of God, he left heaven and he came to this sin-cursed world. He never ceased to be God, but he became man. He was fully God and he was fully man. And the Bible says that he took upon himself the form of a servant. And interesting, he didn't come riding on a white stallion with all the fanfare. That's what everybody wanted. That's what they were waiting for. That's what they expected. But the Bible says that he took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, listen, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. A thankful heart prays. Jesus prayed for an opportunity to serve God. If you're thankful, you should, you should say, God, give me opportunities, uh, something I can do during Thanksgiving time. May we all pray to serve God in a greater way than we've ever done before. We're coming out of our missions conference, and your prayer ought to be, Lord, how can I serve you better than I was before? God, give me something and now listen, be careful what you pray for because a thankful heart also not only prays for God to give him something to do to serve him, but also this matter of sacrifice. Look back in verse number 10. Paul says, making request, if by any means how at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. So notice here that Paul is praying, a thankful heart is praying for an opportunity. He wanted to come to them. He wanted to preach unto them. And he was willing to do it at any cost. In verse number 13, he says, I, I, I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to understand this, that oftentimes, many times, I wanted to come unto you, but he says, I was let hitherto. Something hindered me. He says that as I came to you, that I might have some fruit among you, even as among other Gentiles. So Paul here was, was praying, and he understood that if he was going to come and he was going to preach to them, it might cost him something, and he had made several attempts. He wanted to come to Rome to preach the unsearchable riches of God to them, but there were obstacles in a way of him coming. A thankful heart prays for an opportunity to sacrifice. You know, when I stand here and hold that card, a lot of people think, well, there you go. I mean, this way my dad was for years. That's all the church wants is my money. You've got it all wrong. God doesn't need your money. God just wants you to be obedient. God blesses faithfulness. God blesses obedience. But oftentimes when we make commitments like some of us did this year, it means that there's going to have to be a sacrifice. See, listen, it's not hard for me because I'm thankful for what God has done for me. And so I just pray that God would help me as I sacrifice. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.15. Clearly, it says here that Jesus died for all, that, that they which live. Look, if you're saved this morning, you've had a time in your life where you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you are saved, that according to the word of God, you were dead in your sins, but now you're alive unto Christ. 
And it says here that they which live should not henceforth, from the time they get saved, the time they become a child of God, they should not live henceforth unto themselves, but live unto him which died for them and rose again. That's why Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, said, look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir because our church is a very giving church. But I'll tell you this, that sometimes, it, look, we, we could just give what we gave last year, but like in, in my heart, look, I, I, I said, Lord, do you just want me to give what I gave last year or do, do you want me to increase my faith? Do you want me to give more? Now, that requires sacrifice. And that's why I need to pray and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? What would you have my family to do? And look, a thankful heart is one that prays that God would help them to serve him, but also prays and looks for opportunity to sacrifice. So we see that Paul states the prayer of a thankful heart. He says, first, I thank my God. Then he talks about the prayer that he has that comes out of his thankful heart. But notice, thirdly, the power of a thankful heart, because Folks, understand that you and I, we cannot do what we want to do. We need God's help to be able to do it. We need the power of God in our lives. Look at verse number 16. Paul writes to them, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. God's people said what? Amen, right? Are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed of what Jesus did for you? Now, I realize there's a stigma that comes along with dying on the cross. The curse that was there. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. But the Bible says that Paul says, look, I'm not ashamed. I used to be a Pharisee. God saved my old wretched soul. And he says, look, I'm not ashamed to tell people I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed to mention the name of Jesus. I'm not ashamed to tell people of his saving grace. I'm not ashamed to get around my family at Thanksgiving and they might be ungodly people and I love them, but I'm not ashamed to pray before my meal at Thanksgiving. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's what the Bible says. I look at this passage and I see what Paul is writing here. <laughs> Paul was a man that wasn't afraid to go anywhere with the gospel. He was very bold in his witness. I mean, you look at his life, you, you, you studied out some of his journeys. Anyone that was stoned and left for dead gets up from that pile of rubble, goes right back into the same town. Sure tells me that the man seemed to have a bold witness for Christ. Paul wasn't afraid of the adverse situations in his life. He wasn't afraid of the persecution that came along with all of that, whether Paul was in a Jewish synagogue or whether he was in a jail cell. Paul was ready to preach. He stood on Mars Hill with the tomb of the unknown God there. He stood in front of Agrippa. Didn't matter who Paul was in front of. Paul stood bold with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you might be sitting here this morning and saying, well, that was Paul. You're talking about me, pastor. Yeah, I know it. Get in line. You, you look at me sometimes and you think, well, you're a preacher. You're our pastor. 
Every time I get up in front of people, I'm scared to death. I know you don't realize that and you don't believe me, but it's the truth. I'd just soon be invisible. I don't like being behind this little thing here. I can't hide. You look at Paul's life, and maybe you've been around other Christians. Remember Brother Richie? Hey, you. He's in heaven today, right now. One of our church members. He's leaning over the banisters of heaven. Give it to him, preacher, he'd be saying. Brother Richie, he'd get out of the van, get out of the car when we went out in the streets and tell people about the Lord. He'd walk right up in the middle of people. I mean, there, was, there wasn't one ounce of fear in Richie. You think about Richie and the Apostle Paul. Where does this boldness come from? So many people are so shy, backwards. Some of you are like, yep, that's me. Now, you're, now you know me, Pastor. A lot of people, that, that, that they think, well, I don't, I don't understand. How can, I, how can I be able to do some of the things that Paul would do? Look what the Bible says here in Proverbs 28, verse number 1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as what? A lion. The fiercest animal in the jungle. God says the righteous. Now you think about that. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Boldness has nothing to do with personality. I mean, some people can just be loud and boisterous. That's not boldness. But when you study the Word of God, I'll tell you this, that boldness has everything to do with being right with God. Paul was bold in the Lord. Why? Because he was right with God. When you're right with God, you can be bold for the Lord. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. You know why? Because I'm right with God. And as we look at this this morning, look, if we're going to have a thankful heart, that power comes from this matter of being right with God. Have you ever noticed that when you are right with God, that sometimes you'll say things that you would have never said if you weren't right with God? Sometimes things have come out of my mouth. I'm like, where did that come from? But it was because God was giving me. Just like many times he gave Paul the words to say. But I'll tell you this, put the shoe on the other foot. When we're not right with God, we don't want to talk to anybody. When Paul was right with God... He stood on Mars Hill. When he was right with God, he stood in front of Agrippa. When Paul was right with God, he went right back into a town, the people that had stoned him. But when a person's not right with God, I just want to go into my cave and hide. I don't want to be around anybody. See, boldness has everything to do with being right with God. See, that is because... Things, many times in our lives, are not right. Being thankful is right. Why? Because we read it earlier. Because we ought to give thanks in everything. Paul was right in his life because he was a thankful person. As a result of of this being right with God, Paul was bold. By the way, there are other people in the Bible, not just Paul. The Bible says that Peter and John, I mentioned this this morning, when they went into the temple and there was the man sitting at the beautiful gate that had never walked a day in his life, and Peter reached out and he said, silver and gold have I, uh, 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 silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, 
give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And later on, they called Peter and John in front of the, front of the religious, pious gas bags of the day. And they began to threaten them. And the Bible says in verse number 13 of Acts 4, when they saw the, what's it say there? The boldness. Do you ever wonder what boldness looks like? Because whatever it was, Peter and John was wearing it. It was on their face. You could see it in their eyes. Folks, I'm going to tell you many times, I'm a married man, many times I'm wrong. Some of you will get that. Some of you married men will own up to that one right there. I've been right this many times in my life. Well, maybe this many. But I will tell you this, that when it comes to people asking me, and I have this authority, not in a pious way, I know that God's word is true. There's authority there. And it's important that we, listen, you, me, all of us as Christians, that we are right with God. And when we're right with God, God gives us the boldness. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Some of you, you say, Pastor, I have unsaved family members. You know what you need? You need to be right with God so God will give you the power to be able to talk to them. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, I'm just so thankful for God's working in my life. A thankful heart prays for opportunities and a thankful heart is one that has boldness and and, and again, when you think about this, you know, the Peter and John, they, they saw the boldness of them. And the Bible says they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. Folks, look, when you think about boldness, boldness doesn't come from the fact that maybe I went to college or I have a degree on my wall. The Bible says that they, they took knowledge of Peter and John, that they had been with Jesus. See, spending time with the Lord, being right with God... By the way, if you're not right with God, you don't want to spend time with God. But when you spend time with him, the righteous are as bold as a lion. And look, when you're around Jesus, when you've been with him, you will have a thankful heart. Hey, thank the Lord today for his grace in your life and thank God for his goodness. And we can stand like Paul did and we can be bold for Jesus because we have a thankful heart. A thankful heart will produce a power. The power that you and I need for Christ. So he talks about the priority of a thankful heart. And he talks about the prayer of his heart being a thankful heart. And the power that he needs coming from that thankful heart. But look, at, look as we move on to the chapter here in verse 18. The provoking of a thankful heart. Look at verse number 18. The Bible says, for the, what's that third word? The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without what? They're without excuse. Now, boy, you think about this provoking of a thankful heart. 
There's a lot of people today, I've talked to some over the years, they call themselves atheists. The, the actual theo, theo is God. If you put an A on it, it means they believe there's no God. Amoral, no God, atheist. There are people today that say there is no God. And by the way, <clears throat> atheism is growing in the world today. But the fastest growing religion, the most popular religion in the world today is the religion of no religion. Seriously. The religion of no religion. Recently found out about uh, somebody that has his entire church is an online church. No religion. There's a lot of people today that don't understand, 14% of the population today doesn't believe in God. You know what I say to that? God doesn't believe them. They say they don't believe in God, but look look what it says in verse number 19 again. Look at this. Look at the words. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Look at verse 20. But the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood. Folks, I don't, God couldn't have wrote this any more clear. The Bible says they are understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, mankind, is without excuse. Don't tell me you don't know about God. God has shown you. God has revealed it unto you. And look, when you look at the Word of God, God has shown us there is no such thing as an atheist. God says he's revealed himself to every person in the world, Proverbs chapter, or excuse me, Psalm 14, 1, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That person, according to the word of God, is a fool. Peter says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, look at this, walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly, notice that, they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Do, do you, listen, when we think about people saying they don't believe in God, why do people say that they don't believe in God? It, it is not that they don't believe in God, it is because they want to, as the Bible says here, walk after their own lust. It's not that they don't believe in God. They want to do what they want to do. And the reason that a person says that they're an atheist is simply this, because they do not want to quit sinning. That's why they say that they're an atheist. Look at John 3, verse 19. This is the condemnation that light, that, that's a reference to Jesus, is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth Evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. That's why you find bars. There's very little lighting. That's why you find when you go to dance halls that they're dark places. Listen, 
Satan doesn't like the light. When you come to church here, that's why we put these, these LED lights in here. When I came here five years ago, I came in here, I said, this place is way too dark. Man, some of the church members came in, maybe some of you said, Pastor, what is going on here? I like the light. Wear sunglasses if it bothers you. But I'm going to tell you something. I like the windows. I like the light to shine in. I like Jesus, and he's the light of the world, the Bible says. But see, man loves darkness rather than the light. So what does God do? God provokes us to have a thankful heart. The reason people don't read the Bible is because they know that if they read the Bible, they're going to be convicted of the sin in their lives. And they don't want to stop sinning, so they just don't read their Bible. God has already provoked our hearts to thankfulness. God has proven himself. We just read it to every man, each one of us. Look at Romans chapter 2. Look at these two verses. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these things, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show, these are Gentiles, look at this, which show the work of the law written in their what? Hearts, their conscience. By the way, every person that's ever been born into this world God has given to every one of us a conscience. And the Bible says here in verse 15 that their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. Everybody knows there's a God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible is true. God's word is true. And so what does God show us here? Paul says, look, God is provoking us to this matter of having a thankful heart. But look how it all ends this morning. And I hope we don't ever get here, but look at the pitfall of a thankful heart. Look at verse 21 of chapter 1, Romans. Because that, when they, what's those next two words? Knew God. Everybody see that? When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. They, they knew God. Remember, people say, well, I just don't know if there's a God. God says, I look, hey, take that excuse out of the way, because I have showed it. I have made it clear. I have allowed them to see who I am. Everybody knows that there is a God, but notice the pitfall is that this is clearly the turning point of the whole chapter, and by the way, this is clearly the turning point of our, our nation and the world we live in today. People know God, but listen, they act like He is not there, or He is not real, or there is no God. By the way, I'm describing America to you today. That's exactly the way America is. His name is still on our currency, and it's still in our Pledge of Allegiance. We know God, but are we glorifying Him as God? That's the question. A lack of thankfulness, you know what it does? It takes God off the throne when we don't thank God. And the pitfall is if we allow ourselves to become, as the Bible describes here in Romans 1, to become ungrateful, soon we will know God for who He is, but we won't let Him be God 
as he wants to be. And publicly, we know the answers, but practically, there is no application in our lives about who God is. Look what the Bible says in Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He's the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in how many things? He might have the, okay, do you know that word? Preeminence. That's a great word. It means that he might have the supremacy, that he might have the authority. Remember, we just read all things were created by him. You know who's given you life? God did. You know who's given you breath? God. You know who's given you tomorrow? God. See, by him all things consist. I'd say we have a lot to be thankful for. But see, if we're not careful, Paul says, let me tell you, there are those in this world who want to say there is no God. And let me show you what happens when people get to the place where God does not have the preeminence. Because when you look at this chapter, and I won't take the time this morning, but the rest of Romans chapter number 1, you know what it describes? It describes what happens when the answer to the question, does Jesus have the preeminence? If the answer to that question is no, he does not have the preeminence, he is not supreme, he is not God, then listen, I can tell you, if you want to know what's going to happen in the days to come in our nation, especially some of these people that are running for the President of the United States, read the rest of Romans chapter 1. Because what it gives us is it gives us the steps of ingratitude. The rest of the chapter names 20, count them, 20 sins that are the results of ingratitude. It's all over the culture that we're living in today. Children are, are unthankful for their parents. This, this homosexual lifestyle and this deviant lifestyle that people are living in, it all begins when we know God, but we don't glorify Him as God. And our gratitude attitude is gone. We're not thankful for God. Why? Because we don't even recognize Him. Understand that the Bible tells us that they knew God. They knew what he had done. They knew that he had created, but yet they chose to not acknowledge him. And all of this, you know what it does? It leads to our destruction, to our demise. So thanking God, thanking God for his blessings. Look, you know what happens when we thank God for his blessings? It extends the blessings of God. But when you and I no longer thank God, we fail to thank God, it will end the blessings of God. God will take his hand off our life. God will take his hand off our nation. God will take his hand off of our church. We need to be thankful for God's blessings. We have a lot 
to be thankful for. Romans 1 tells us of the dismal end to a nation or even to a people who never graduate from a gratitude study. Let us make sure that as we, listen, yes, Thursday, we celebrate Thanksgiving. I hope that the message this morning in Romans chapter 1 is a reminder of how vitally important it is to us as God's people that we would be thankful. How's your heart today? Is it a thankful heart? I hope so. Let's bow our heads this morning with our heads bowed. Quite a chapter this morning. Some statements that God allowed Paul to pen. I wonder how thankful. When's the last time you thanked God for his blessings in your life? When we get to the place where we can no longer thank God. Remember what Paul said first. I thank my God. That's where it all starts. But did you see how it ends for many people? They knew God, but they glorified him not as God. Where are you at today? Are you a thankful person? Or are you on the other end of the spectrum? Or maybe you're somewhere right between. Can I tell you that if you're somewhere between, the direction you're leaning is the direction you're going to fall.